As we prepare to hear our scripture reading this morning, uh, we continue with the narrative lectionary. And last week we heard the story of Hannah who prayed for a child. And the child that was born to her was uh, a boy named Samuel who grew up to become a major prophet and judge in the life of Israel. And um, it was during Samuel's ministry that there was a big political shift in um, Israel's life. And that is that the people of Israel asked for a king. And uh, God basically said, you know, this isn't a good idea, but the people insisted. And so God um, told Samuel to anoint Saul as uh, the first king of the people of Israel. Uh, Saul turned out not to be a very good king, and so God then called on David uh, to be king, and so Samuel went on to anoint David as king. Now David is a major figure in, um, in the Hebrew history. He was a shepherd and a warrior uh, who was a charismatic and strong leader. And um, under his reign as king, he was able to unify the 12 tribes of Israel. He also made uh, Jerusalem the capital. He brought the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem, God's presence back to Jerusalem and uh, really solidified Jerusalem as a religious and uh, political power. And so um, today we're gonna hear a story about how David seeks to build a temple for God and God's surprising uh, but faithful response. So let us listen for the word of God. Our scripture for today is from the book of 1 Samuel chapter seven, Verses 1 through 17. Now, when the king David was settled in his house, and the Lord had given him rest from all of his enemies around him, the king said to the prophet Nathan, See now, I am in, living in a house of cedar, but the ark of God stays in a tent. Nathan said to the king, Go do all that you have in mind, for the Lord is with you. But that same night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan. Go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord. Are you the one to build me a house to live in? I have not lived in a house since the day I brought up the people of Israel from Egypt to this day. But I have been moving about in a tent and a tabernacle. Wherever I have moved about among the people of Israel, did I ever speak a word with any of the tribal leaders of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now, therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, to be a prince over my people Israel, and I have been with you wherever you went, and have cut off all of your enemies from before you, and I will make you a great name, like the name of the great ones of all of the earth, and I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and will plant them so that they may live in their own place and be disturbed no more. 
and the evildoers shall afflict them no more, as formerly, from the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel. And I will give you rest from all of your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come forth from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be a father to him, and he shall be a son to me. When he commits iniquity, I will punish him with a rod such as mortals use, with blows inflicted by human beings. But I will not take my steadfast love from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you. Your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. In accordance with all of these words and with all of this vision, Nathan spoke to David. This is the word of God for the people of God. Will you pray with me? Oh, gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, as a kid, my friends and I used to play this game called MASH. It was a way that we could uh, discern our future. We would write down the names of people we might like to marry, of where we might like to live, what cars we might like to drive. And then we draw a little spiral, count up the lines, and start eliminating names based on that number. Even the word uh, MASH was an acronym for mansion, apartment, shack, or house. And by the end, you'd be left with just one left, and that's what you got. And even at ages 8, 9, and 10, we knew we didn't want to be left with the apartment or with the shack. We wanted the mansion or the house because that, we knew, already would indicate some sort of fortune, some sort of comfort, at the very least, some sort of stability. And who wouldn't want I don't know if David ever played that game with his friends, but it's clear that he has a vision also of wanting the house or the mansion, because when we find him in the story today, uh, he has come to Jerusalem after uh, a time growing up as a shepherd and then um, fighting off enemies. He has uh, done a great job bringing the tribes together, kind of centering things in Jerusalem. And one of the things that he does is he builds himself a wonderful home, a palace made out of the finest cedars. And it's when David is finally having a minute to put his feet up and rest, enjoy his, his new palace, um, that he realizes that God is still essentially housed out down the street in a tent. Uh, that God's presence at that time was uh, in the Ark of the Covenant, which was essentially uh, a tent or a tabernacle that was carried around with the people and had been um, carried uh, from the time when they were in the wilderness to the promised lands and most recently um, carried into Jerusalem. And so David is sitting there looking around his, his palatial estate and 
and thinking about this tent and realizing I'm going to build God a house like this. I want to build God this nice, fancy temple. Well, we don't know David's motives. It could have been genuine worship. It could have been to say thank you to God for all that had been done, God had done for him. Um, it also might have been a way to help um, consolidate his own power. If he can have the temple here and ensure God's presence here, uh, maybe it was a mix of all of these. But whatever the motive, um, God is not having it. And there's this really funny exchange with God and the, Nathan, and the prophet Nathan where, you know, David had come to Nathan and said, I'm going to build this house. And God essentially goes to Nathan and says, uh, you need to go tell David, when have I ever asked for this house? When have I ever given any indication that I would like any sort of temple like this? And God basically says, you know, I'm, I'm fine. I actually, I like my tent. And part of that is because the tent itself, the ark, it was designed to be taken down and packed up and carried with God's people so that wherever the people went, God would always be there. And so when um, David proposes this, God is kind of like, thanks, but no thanks. And God actually flips the script and says, instead of um, David building me a house, I am going to build David a house. And not only am I going to build a house, uh, a temple the way he's proposing through his son Solomon, but I am actually going to build you a house, David, a dynasty, a kingdom, that it will be through you and your descendants that my presence will be with you. And God basically makes a commitment and a covenant to continue God's presence with David's descendants. In other words, God does not want to be confined to a building or to one geographic place, but God is going to be with God's people. And God would never remove God's love from them. Now, in our society, we are so accustomed to the idea of um, to the value of permanence over transience. We, we even talk about it. We say, we use the language of settling down or putting down roots, right, as a sign of maturity. And yet here is God basically saying, I'm going to be on the move. I'm going to be with my people. Now, the story has even more significance when we um, remember that it was actually written down at a later time and it was written down at a time, um, it was written down by and for people who were living in exile. So the covenant uh, took place early on in Israel's history. And then there were several generations when Solomon did build a temple. But eventually um, the Babylonians came in and destroyed Jerusalem, destroyed the temple, deposed the king. And so when this is actually written down and when the stories are being, um, are being shared, it's when the people of Israel are in exile. And so they are far from home and they are far from uh, their, their safety and their land and their security. And this is what they hold on to, this promise of God's faithfulness, this promise that God will be with them even though they are away from home, that there's not a building or an institution or a structure that they need, but rather God is with them and God's faithfulness watches over them. And this is what helps them endure the exile. 
Well, this is good news for us because we also are inheritors of this covenant. We are inheriting this in, in another particular way too because we would say as Christians that Jesus was that descendant of David, that king who came and, and fulfilled the covenant, um, that Jesus brought about and is bringing about that kingdom of God that will have no end. And Jesus was a descendant of David. And, um, and Jesus' name is Emmanuel, is God with us. And if we think about how Jesus lived, he, um, he was homeless, right? I mean, he was always on the move. He was always going with uh, his people. He was not interested in the, the buildings or the institutions, but he was always meeting people where they are. And even at the end of his life, Jesus says, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So even though those ancient Israelites were in chaos, even though those early disciples after Jesus' death and resurrection, they are still finding their way, they are adjusting to a new normal, they are in certain times, but the promise is God is with them. And the same is true for us. Because the reality is we are living in very uncertain times. We are living in chaotic times. We wish we could just take a piece of paper and write out our fortune and have it clear that we get security and stability and all the things that we want, but we know that's not how life works. And yet what this text reminds us is that even in the midst of uncertainty, of insecurity, of of liminal space, of exile, God is still with us. Now this is especially poignant for us because we are literally uh, out of our houses of worship. I mean, I'm here today, but we are not gathering here anymore. And it may feel at times like God has left the building, right? We are confined to our homes, but even then our homes may not feel like home because there is is not the same safety and security. There's uncertainty in the world all around us. And we're feeling overwhelmed and we're feeling anxious and we're worried and we do want stability. But that's where this text can be so helpful. Because it's not that God has left the building. It's just that God has always been on the move. And God is that Emmanuel, that God with us, the one who prefers the tent to the temple, to transience instead of permanence, to the ability to be free and to meet us wherever we are. It's not that God's faithfulness has changed. It's just that we are going through deep change. But God's presence is with us. And God is doing what God has always done, which is meeting us right here. Now, I don't know where each of us is this morning, but I know where some of us are. I know some of us are feeling completely overwhelmed by, um, by work, by having to care for children, by having to care for loved ones or for parents, for, for wondering how to balance it all. And what this text reminds us is even in this chaos, God is with us. For others of us, we are in the liminal space of our own health concerns. There are some of us waiting for test results, waiting for the next treatment, waiting for the pain to go away. And what this text reminds us is that God is with us in the midst of that.
For some of us, our anxiety is so high because of the election. We want to know how it's going to turn out. We want it to go our way, whatever way that is. But what this text reminds us is that no matter what happens on November 3rd, truly no matter what happens, God is with us. Because God is not confined to one government, to one candidate, to one appointment, to one institution. God is so much bigger than that. And God is with us. And so, my friends, this is good news. Because whatever liminal space we're in, whatever uncertainty we're in, wherever we are, the reality is that God is our home. And God is our rock. And God is our source. And God is our stability. And God will not let us go. So as we continue to move through these uncertain times, and as we continue to move through this time of transience, may we know that God's love is permanent, that God's promises still hold, and that God is with us, whatever comes our way. Amen.